Welcome to the Cynthia G podcast. And in this episode, we're going to talk about whether or not the system of white supremacy, racism, and black oppression is a byproduct of Francis Cress Welsing's theory of white genetic survival, or if this is just a product of the nature of a very savage and violent organism. If you don't know who Francis Cress Welsing is, she was a psychiatrist who recently passed and she is most famously known for her work, The Isis Papers, The Keys to the Colors. And if you haven't read this book, you certainly should as it's very enlightening. It does give a lot of great perspective on white supremacy, the recessive state, their mentality, why the system was set up. However, I think to call this the byproduct of white genetic survival is an oversimplification of what is actually occurring here. Now, I do agree with the late great Francis Cress Welsing in that part of this is due to white genetic survival. But as we delve deeper into a lot of these actions, mentalities, we will actually see that it has to be more to this. Now, Francis Cress Welsing had the part of her theory, she posited that the white supremacists engage in multiple aspects of warfare. They'll engage in biological warfare, they'll engage in physical warfare, psychological warfare to which many of us fall prey to. And all of this is the product of their desire to survive being that they are genetically recessive and the black man in his penis holds the power to genetically annihilate the entire white race. Now, the reason I don't agree with this is because their action and behavior and mentality towards their violence does not imply that they have a fear of genetic annihilation. It implies that while they may have a fear of genetic annihilation, which is understandable, inbred in every organism is the desire to survive. So we cannot say that part of their actions isn't due to the fact that they want to survive. Everything wants to survive. Bacteria wants to survive, trees, plants, all living organisms want to survive to the extent that when posed with a threat to their survival, they will engage in extreme violence if doing so ensures their survival. So that aspect of it has to be true. We can't deny that. But if we look at their history, if we look at their mentality currently and historically, can we really say that this is just because they fear that the black man with his penis has the power to genetically annihilate them? Would they be basically forcing their women on black men to the degree that they're promoting interracial unions if they really believe that black men have the power to genetically annihilate the, them with his penis. See, because we have to break this down and put it into context and look at every single avenue before we can just say that this is a fear of genetic annihilation. And this is no disrespect to Frances Chris Welsing. I love her, I love her work. I wish she was still around. Many people have actually compared me to her, which I think is a great honor. So I would never sit here and try to disrespect her. But I do know that as I was reading over her theory on white genetic annihilation 
and the fear of being genetically annihilated by black men's penis. And now this could simply be debunked right now. If we look at the rate of interracial unions, the fact that most biracial people are fathered by a black man and mother by a white woman and most biracial people actually marry and procreate with other white people, thereby committing black genetic annihilation. So they wouldn't have to fear something that they control. If black men did not have the mentality that they had, it could be quite possible that they could actually engage in white genetic annihilation, possibly. But if we look throughout history, and this is one of the things that it appears that she ignored, if you look throughout history, the creation of biracial people have never led to the genetic annihilation of anything except for blackness. There hasn't been a time in history where sex with black people have annihilated anybody white. They've actually always led to more white people. So I'm not even sure where she would get this theory from. Furthermore, if you look at white people's behavior throughout history, you will see that they've been savage and violent to everybody, even other white people. You had Hitler, a white person, exterminating other white Jews just for differences in hair color and eye color. You've had them go around all over Europe engaging in violence and genocide and war even against each other. So if you feared white genetic annihilation, why would you be so violent to other white people? Why would you have committed acts of genocide on other whites? The important question to consider here is if white supremacists are afraid of white genetic annihilation and they've implemented this system in order to control and dominate non-white people, specifically black people, why would they be also causing white genetic annihilation. For this theory to be true or even have strong merit, we would have to see white supremacists acting out violently towards non-white people, specifically black people, in the absence of violence against other whites. But we know that that's not true. They have a dwindling population and they are moving in ways in order to ensure their survival, one of those ways being promoting interracial unions. However, they are still doing things to cause the death of other white people, like poisoning the food and putting drugs in their communities and things of that sort. So why would they be doing those things knowing that it will lead to white genetic annihilation if they fear white genetic annihilation? What we also need to consider is just a pathology. If we look over history, we will see a being that has always been violent. Their only means of obtaining anything has been by way of violence. We know that it appears that there is a bloodlust that the white supremacists have where they enjoy violence. I want to go back though to this notion that all living organisms engage in behavior, some of them being deemed violent, in order to ensure their genetic survival, we know that this is inherent in every organism and specifically in the human, being that we are of higher intellect, so we can create different means by which we can sustain ourselves. This is where medical technology comes from, etc., etc. 
Imagine you're in a situation where it's you and a lion or a bear. Now, we can say that we're at the top of the food chain all we want to, but if we're in the presence of a lion or a bear, because of their physical strength, their ability to hunt in a manner that supersedes ours, we're not at the top of the food chain. We're facing our genetic annihilation. It's going to come down to where either the violence of the lion or bear or the violence of the human is going to determine who's going to win. Ultimately, we've created some technological advances that in the presence of that lion or that bear, we would maybe be able to be a match for them. If a human finds themselves in that situation and they see no way out except to engage in violence, they are going to engage in violence and they are going to either kill or be killed. So simply engaging in violence isn't really enough to substantiate that you would be a violent, savage organism. If a human is in a situation with a lion or a bear, they will act violently and they will kill that lion or bear with the understanding that if they don't do so, they themselves will die. That is survival of the fittest. You need to fight so that you can sustain yourself. But what most people are not going to do is they're not going to kill the animal and then lay next to it and take pictures of it and maybe take pieces of its body as souvenirs and mount its head on a wall. They won't do that because the behavior of the killing is not what's indicating the psyche. What happens after it is everybody at some point in their life they engaged in violence and they maybe killed a bug or an animal or whatever they felt caused fear enough or became a threat enough in, in order to warrant being violent however everybody's not running around wallowing in the blood and commemorating the body of what they killed if you found yourself in a situation with a bear or a lion and it just so happened that you had to take the life of that animal, how likely is it that you're going to then take pictures of it? Put captions under it talking about the thrill of the kill and how much enjoyment you got out of it. Then go and seek ways to normalize this behavior. How likely is it that you're going to mount that dead animal's head on your wall so that you can look at it and recapture that moment every single time you look at that animal. Now in the psychology world, this is called a psychopath. This is what a number of different serial killers do. What they do is after they kill their victim for the thrill of it, they then will take a piece of memorabilia, whether it's hair or a fingernail, in some instances there were the serial killer who would actually cut the breast off of the woman. They would cut one of her breasts off and keep it so that they could relive that kill over and over. This is an indication of a psychopath. Any forensic psychologist would tell you they are taking what they call souvenirs so that they can relive that event whether for sexual pleasure or just the thrill of relive that emotion that they felt the joy that they felt at that moment that wouldn't be normal however when it applies to the white supremacists in their history and their need to be violent and destructive we don't look at it the same way 
In our minds, there's nothing odd about the fact that they have sports hunting where they just go out and murder animals for no reason other than just to murder them. Now they'll say, oh, because they're procreating too much. Oh, because their population is too high. What does that remind you of? That's been said about the black community. Oh, they're, pro they're procreating too much. But think about the need to kill to the extent that you would create a sport in order to satisfy that desire. Now, the original things that were hunted, the original objects that were hunted, and I don't wanna refer to black people as an object, but we have to be honest here. We were seen as objects, we were seen as property. We were the original quote unquote animal to be hunted by white supremacists and they got thrills out of it. They got joy out of it. This goes back to this hunting the lion analogy because according to Francis Cress Wellstein, in the face of a black person, specifically a black male, the white supremacist, specifically the male, is faced with the possibility of genetic annihilation. So he acts violently, he engages in systemic abuse and deprivation and oppression in order to maintain control over the black male so that he's not genetically annihilated. Now we can go to the biological aspect of the fact that the male, although he does impose sex, he's not the, the sustaining of the legacy. The woman actually is. The male biologically does not pass on more of his DNA than the mother does. And so even if we use biology, we could debunk that. But there is merit to this notion and I do believe that part of the reason why they act the way that they do is for survival. It's we can't deny that the pushing of interracial unions with the knowledge that most biracial people go out and procreate with whites and create more white people, that's for genetic survival because ultimately you are creating more white people with better genetics. We know that this has been done in Brazil and different parts of South America to brown populations. This was something that was attempted to be done in Cuba as well. They call it whitening out populations. We also know that a lot of Afro-Latinas still have this mentality that they can better their population by whitening it out. This has been done. We know the Aborigines have been bred out through way of interracial sex. So there wouldn't be any threat that a black penis could annihilate them when they've actually annihilated black populations with white penises in the history. They've done that before. There is a high population of biracial people now who are actually creating white people and they were created from a black penis. So this part of the theory, it, it doesn't hold merit because the evidence just doesn't substantiate it. You're not gonna promote your genocide. Who would promote their genocide if they fear genetic annihilation by way of black penis? Wouldn't they have just kept anti-miscegenation laws on the book? Why would they now be promoting it? The reality of it is, is they understand that through the black penis, they can actually sustain themselves. There is a reason why they don't really promote black women having children with white men the way that they promote white women having children with black men. And the reason is, is because the mother is the primary caregiver of the children. And how the mother raises the children is going to determine, especially for males, who they go out and who they're attracted to. Generally, if a biracial male has a white mother, he is going to go procreate with a white woman. The byproduct of that is going to be a white 
child. But let's go back to that violent nature because if you're just a violent being, you're just going to express yourself violently every time. You don't need to fear genetic annihilation to be violent. Again, they have hunting as a sport. There's a reason why sports hunting is participated in to the degree of 95% by white males. Are they killing animals because they fear that an animal penis can genetically annihilate them? That couldn't possibly be the case. But what could be the case is the bloodlust and a propensity for violence and savagery to the degree that now that you have laws governing how violent you can be, you have to kind of find a way to express your violence. This is why you would have the need to hunt and kill animals for no other reason than the fact that you enjoy it as a sport. Why do you think it is that 95% of sports hunters are white males? Could it be that no other group of people on the planet really feels the need or desire to go out and murder animals? And they do it because they get joy out of it. For example, there was a situation back in 2016 in which a father took his daughter hunting. This was in New Zealand because they told you globally the majority of sports hunters, meaning you go out and kill animals just for the fun of it, is participated in by white men white women engage in it as well because again this is what they do they even raise their children to have this same bloodlust or to act on this same bloodlust possibly because they know eventually is going to emerge this desire to kill this desire to take life from someone apparently is always gonna appear at some point in their life again 95% of the people who engage in this behavior are white. There is a reason for that. But in New Zealand, a dad took a picture of his eight-year-old daughter and she was taking a bite out of a warm, quivering heart of a deer she had just killed. He posted this to social media and he captioned it, Proud Dad. He wanted to commemorate his daughter's first big game kill. Now, imagine this is a person with a human. If this was a person who had took his daughter out to hunt humans, and after her first kill, he had her bite a human heart and captioned the picture, proud dad, they would call him a psychopath. But he did this to a deer. Because again, globally, this has been legalized as a sport that is engaged in primarily by white people. His daughter killed a young deer and he posted it to social media, Facebook actually, and captioned it proud dad. He wanted to commemorate that his daughter at the age of eight had taken the life of a young deer. He wanted to commemorate that. I told you guys about commemorating death. To psychologists, this is a sign of a psychopath. When a person at the young age gets off on murdering animals, that is a sign of a psychopath in the making. If you look in the DSM-5, it's considered to be the Bible of psychology. You will see murdering animals at a young age just for the thrill of it. That is a sign of a psychopath. So he captioned it and said, hey, you hunter chicks, I'm a proud dad. Check out my little pink ninja princess, Chloe, with, with her first deer, a young stag. 
Then she took a bite from its warm, quivering heart. Go, Chloe. This is what he captioned the photo. Now, you tell me, is this a bloodlust or is this a need for genetic survival? Because understand, during Jim Crow and on the plantation, this is what they did to black people. After lynching a black male or female, they would put it on postcards to commemorate it. They would make objects out of the skin of black people. They would cut black men's penises off, put them in jars and put them in displays in the window. The postcards were expensive, but other white supremacists would purchase them. They had no problem doing it because after thousands of them would attend a lynching in which they would torture and murder, usually for some made up reason, just because they wanted to do it. They then wanted to relive that experience. So they would commemorate it with postcards. They would make shoes and clothing items out of the skin of a black person that they murdered. Never have any psychiatrists in the black community actually pathologize this propensity for savagery and violence. It's fun. They love it. They had games called Hit the Nigger Baby. After Trayvon Martin's death, they actually made a game called Hit the Angry Trayvon. Hit the nigger baby, hit the angry Trayvon. This mentality isn't going to go anywhere because you have to understand this is possibly a nature. This isn't about genetic survival. You do not need to relish in death and celebrate it and commemorate it in order to prevent genetic annihilation. This behavior while many people will say that it's normal, it's merely exclusively engaged in by one group of people. Why is it that no other group of people see this as normal? In fact, they see it as completely unnecessary unless you're doing it for food. They're not doing it for food. You mean to tell me he really wanted his daughter to eat this raw, bleeding deer heart? He had her kill this deer so that she can eat the heart? Or because he wanted her to satisfy that bloodlust that he believes is gonna be innate in her. She's gonna to need to satisfy this. There was a similar situation in June of 2017 in which a woman decided to post a picture to Facebook in which she was sitting next to the dead giraffe that she had just murdered. She captioned it saying, I am proud to hunt and I am proud of that giraffe. She wanted the world to know that she was proud to have murdered this giraffe. Now, she said she doesn't regret killing the giraffe. And why would she? This is the way she needs to satisfy that innate bloodlust that she possibly has. She went on CBS and she did an interview saying that she would absolutely still hunt because it's something she loves to do. Do you know any other group of people who loves killing just for the sake of killing, there's no reason why she needed to kill that giraffe other than the fact that she loves doing it. Hunting animals is murder. However, there has to be a way for them to express this and it has to be legal. 
they normalize the abnormal in order to satisfy their innate desires. So when we look at the systemic murder, the disenfranchisement, when we look at it in context, can we really say that this is simply because they fear genetic annihilation or is it because they need a way to satisfy this? And this is why they get enjoyment out of it. They don't look at black people as any different than the way they see an animal. In fact, there was a time when you were the animals that were hunted and just like they would put on a picture and caption it with this animal today, they would do the same thing to black people putting them on postcards. How likely is it that you would promote the union that will lead to your genetic annihilation? They wouldn't do that. Nobody's promoting their genetic annihilation. So if genetic annihilation can occur by way of a black penis, show me any time in history when that's happened. The only penis that have ever genetically annihilated anything was a white one. There have been white penises whitening out entire black populations. Show me when a black penis wiped out an entire white population to the degree that they're now extinct. You can't find any more of them. Find me one case when that has happened. So what you're actually looking at right now is a nature, a propensity for violence, and that is why their behavior is violent. Psychologically, the black diaspora is already under white control. If you control the mind, you control the body. There's no need to be physically violent with black people, but they're doing it and they enjoy it and they always have to put it in public. Notice that they always have to do a public display. It always have to be publicly displayed. And that's because they know that not only do they get off on it, but their counterparts get off on it too. But this has been another episode of the Cynthia G Uncaged podcast. Always remember, love yourself, love your blackness, and love your people.